you are now tuned into Civil War Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, here to guide you through the fields and towns of mid-19th century America as we delve into the epic conflict that shaped the very soul of this great nation, the Civil War. Together, we'll explore riveting stories from an era of transformation and sacrifice, hearing tales of valiant charges, whispered plots, and the profound human experiences behind the blue and the gray. And if your historical appetite is still hungry for more tales of valor and conflict, be sure to check out our companion podcast, World War II Stories, where we unravel the global conflict that raged nearly a century later. You can find the link in the description or make your way to podhour.com ww2. So, ready your ears and steady your hearts as we traverse through the pages of time, delving into a chapter of history where a nation fought for its very identity. In the annals of American history, few events have managed to capture the raw intensity and horrific bloodshed as the Battle of Antietam. Fought on September 17, 1862, it was the culmination of a series of strategic maneuvers, blunders, lost opportunities, and heroism that would indelibly leave its mark on the nation's consciousness. The backdrop to this cataclysmic clash was a country in turmoil. The United States, a youthful nation just over eight decades old, found itself mired in a brutal and consuming civil war. Brother fought against brother, state against state, with the very soul of the nation hanging in the balance. Two pivotal figures strode at the helm of the warring sides, Confederate General Robert E. Lee, a seasoned warrior with an audacious strategy, and Union General George B. McClellan, a cautious commander entrusted with the defense of the North. Their paths would intersect on the verdant fields of Maryland, by the seemingly innocuous Antietam Creek, and their clash would forever shape the trajectory of the war and the nation. Our journey into this pivotal moment of American history is far from a linear tale. It's a complex narrative intertwined with strategic decisions, political maneuvering, personal fears, and valor in face of unimaginable horror. It's a story of lost opportunities, of victory wrested from the jaws of defeat, and of a nation grappling to define its very essence amidst the chaos. So let us journey back to 1862 to a time of tumult and turbulence, and delve into the prelude to Antietam, the political and military landscape that set the stage for America's bloodiest single-day battle. Let's explore the strategies and stakes, the men and their motivations, as we unravel the narrative of Antietam, a battle that changed the course of the Civil War and forever imprinted itself on the American story. Chapter 1. Setting the Stage as the sun rose over the sprawling American landscape in 1862, the nation stood divided, caught in the throes of a bitter civil war. Underneath this vast expanse of blue skies and rolling plains, a complex web of political pressures and military strategies were simmering, setting the stage for what was to become the Battle of Antietam. The northern states, known as the Union, were led by the bespectacled and compassionate Abraham Lincoln the president who fervently believed in the preservation of a unified nation. His political journey was intertwined with his deeply held conviction that slavery was a moral evil, but he was yet to articulate this in policy, fearing he might alienate the border states that hadn't seceded. Meanwhile, the South, or the Confederacy, 
fought for states' rights and to preserve their economy, which was inextricably tied to slavery. At the helm of the Confederate Army was General Robert E. Lee, an imposing figure with a sterling military reputation. Despite personal reservations about secession, Lee felt an unwavering loyalty to his native Virginia and thus found himself leading the Army of the South. As the Confederacy sought to protect its way of life, Lee devised a daring plan. If he could carry the war into Northern Territory and score a significant victory, he believed he could demoralize the Union, stir anti-war sentiment, and perhaps convince foreign powers like Britain and France to recognize the Confederacy. On the other side, George B. McClellan, nicknamed Young Napoleon, commanded the Union Army. A cautious man with a knack for organization, McClellan was beloved by his troops but often locked horns with Lincoln and his cabinet over his reluctance to take the offensive. The stage was set. Two vastly different generals, each carrying the weight of their cause, prepared their armies for battle. As the late summer of 1862 approached, their paths were set to cross near the quiet waters of Antietam Creek, in Maryland. It was here, among the gentle hills and ripening cornfields, that these opposing forces would collide, marking a pivotal point in a nation's destiny. But before the dawn of that fateful day, a lost order would provide the Union with an unexpected opportunity, throwing the Confederate strategy into disarray. Awaiting on the horizon was a series of events that would lead to the single bloodiest day in American history, a day that would shape the course of the Civil War, and indeed, the future of the nation itself. In the heart of the Confederate camp, under the shadow of fluttering banners emblazoned with stars and bars, Robert E. Lee was meticulously shaping a plan. His eyes, revealing a mixture of stern resolve and quiet confidence, scanned over maps and dispatches. Lee's reputation as a brilliant tactician had been earned on countless battlefields, and he was now ready to take a gamble that could alter the trajectory of the war. His strategy was audacious but rooted in calculated risk. Lee aimed to bring the conflict to Union soil, a move that would lift Confederate spirits and demoralize the North. The plan also held the tantalizing prospect of foreign recognition, especially from Britain and France, who were closely monitoring the war's progress. A significant Confederate victory on Northern territory might be enough to persuade these powers to break the Union's naval blockade a move that would greatly help the South's cause. Lee chose Maryland, a slave-holding border state with divided loyalties, as his target. Its strategic location and the chance to exploit its Southern sympathies made it a tantalizing prospect. If he could score a victory here, it could potentially tip the state into the Confederate camp, adding to the pressure on Lincoln's government. But this was no straightforward undertaking. A move into Maryland was fraught with challenges. Supply lines would be stretched, the terrain was unfamiliar, and despite some Confederate sympathies, the bulk of Maryland's citizens remained staunchly Unionist. Within his camp, Lee commanded a diverse set of generals, each with their own personalities and tactical leanings. The fiery Stonewall Jackson, known for his aggressive tactics, was a stark contrast to the calm and collected James Longstreet who favored defensive warfare. Yet, under Lee's leadership, they worked in a complex but effective harmony. 
as Lee orchestrated this daring invasion, a thousand miles away in Washington, D.C., his Union counterpart, George B. McClellan, was dealing with challenges of his own. Unbeknownst to them, a series of events was about to unfold that would bring these two generals and their armies face to face in the cornfields and rolling hills surrounding Antietam Creek. Under the sheltering canvas of his tent in the heart of the Union camp, General George B. McClellan faced a daunting set of challenges. Known for his prudence on the battlefield, McClellan's mind was a whirlwind of strategy, constantly weighing the risks and rewards of each potential move. He was the linchpin in the Union's defense, a role that came with immense responsibility and pressure. McClellan had earned the affection of his men, his leadership marked by a deep concern for their welfare. This, however, was in stark contrast to his fraught relationship with the political leadership in Washington. His interactions with President Lincoln and Secretary of War Edwin Stanton were often marked by discord, primarily due to his hesitation to take decisive action. Lincoln, with the weight of a divided nation on his shoulders, longed for a decisive military victory. However, McClellan's strategy was more complex. He was a master of preparation and organization, a man who believed in the power of superior logistics and infrastructure. Yet, his meticulous nature was often perceived as hesitation or even cowardice. His command, though, was anything but unified. Within the Union Army, there were divisions and undercurrents of tension. Commanders like the ambitious and fiery General John Pope and the stern, no-nonsense Edwin V. Sumner often held differing views on strategy, adding another layer of complexity to McClellan's already delicate position. News of Lee's advance into Maryland came as a shock, and McClellan found himself on the back foot, needing to devise a plan to repel the Confederate forces. The stage was set for a confrontation, but an unexpected twist was just around the corner. Fate was about to deal an unexpected hand in the form of a lost set of Confederate orders, a twist that would add an intriguing new dimension to the looming Battle of Antietam. Chapter 2 On the Eve of Battle As the first rays of dawn brushed the tranquil Maryland countryside, an event occurred that would drastically alter the course of the impending battle. The seemingly innocuous discovery of a piece of paper wrapped around three cigars would shift the tide in favor of the Union and turn the battle plans of the Confederacy on their head. This was no ordinary piece of paper. It was Special Order 191, detailing Lee's grand strategy. The plan was for his forces to split and converge on Harper's Ferry to secure supplies. It was a daring maneuver, but if executed right, it could deliver a crushing blow to the Union. But now, this secret blueprint for attack had fallen into Union hands. The man responsible for the discovery was an ordinary Union soldier, Corporal Barton W. Mitchell. He could hardly have imagined the significance of his find. The document quickly ascended the chain of command, reaching McClellan himself. As the Union general unrolled the document, his eyes widening with each line, he could barely contain his disbelief. Here is a paper with which, if I cannot whip Bobby Lee, I will be willing to go home, he declared. Yet, true to his nature, McClellan acted with caution. Was it a ruse by the Confederates? A deliberate deception? Or was it indeed the game-changer it appeared to be?
As these questions swirled in his mind, valuable time was slipping away. Back in the Confederate camp, Lee had no idea that his meticulously crafted plan had been compromised. Unaware of the unfolding drama in the Union camp, he pushed on with his strategy, confident in its success. The tale of the Lost Order is one of intrigue and suspense, a plot twist in the epic saga of Antietam. Its discovery laid bare the Confederates' plans, providing the Union with an unexpected advantage. But with McClellan's characteristic caution, would this advantage be seized or squandered? As the hour of battle drew closer, the stakes were higher than ever. The Maryland morning was crisp and clear, a stark contrast to the storm of doubt that was swirling within McClellan's mind. In his hands lay the plans of the enemy, a roadmap of their strategy. He had what every commander wishes for, the blueprint of his adversary's next move. But, as was his nature, he hesitated. McClellan, the meticulous general, was torn between action and caution. His critics saw his hesitance as a weakness, his defenders argued it was a strength, a sign of his unwavering commitment to preserving the lives of his men. But now, faced with an opportunity that could change the course of the war, McClellan found himself caught in a whirlwind of indecision. Hours turned into a day, then another. His officers urged him to strike while the enemy was divided, but the specter of a trap lurked in his mind. Was the Lost Order a ruse, a false trail laid by Lee to lure the Union into a trap? Or was it a genuine blunder, a chance to catch the Confederates off guard? Back in Washington, President Lincoln anxiously awaited McClellan's move. Each passing hour of inaction frayed his patience. This was their chance, he believed, to strike a blow that could potentially shorten the war. But all he could do was wait while the man he entrusted to command the Union Army grappled with his decision. In the Confederate camp, Lee remained oblivious to the drama unfolding in the Union ranks. His forces moved according to the plan, unaware that their movements were being watched with keen interest and increasing confidence by their adversaries. Finally, after two days of hesitation, McClellan moved. His forces marched towards the divided Confederate Army, ready to engage them on the rolling fields near Antietam Creek. The stage was set for the showdown. But had McClellan's delay cost the Union the element of surprise? As the sun set on September 16th, the eve of the battle, the answer was soon to unfold. Under the muted glow of twilight on September 16th, the Union and Confederate armies found themselves on the precipice of what would be the bloodiest single day in American history. Both sides were unaware of the brutal reality that awaited them by the serene banks of Antietam Creek. On one side, McClellan's Union Army, now mobilized and poised for combat, assembled with an air of stern resolve. The men, clad in their deep blue uniforms, were a sight to behold. Among them were soldiers like Private George E. Pickett of the 15th Massachusetts, a young man barely out of his teens yet ready to face the harrowing reality of war. Their spirits were bolstered by the discovery of the lost order, a glimmer of hope in the gathering gloom. Across the fields, Lee's Confederate army braced for the upcoming confrontation. Men like Sergeant Richard Kirkland of the 2nd South Carolina Volunteers prepared for the fight, their gray uniforms stark against the fading light. 
despite the sense of impending conflict, they held their heads high, a testament to their unwavering dedication to their cause. The night air was charged with tension as both sides prepared their strategies. McClellan, his mind still spinning from the events of the past few days, planned to use his superior numbers to crush the divided Confederate forces. Lee, unaware of the lost order, hurried to consolidate his divided forces, relying on the tactical skills of his lieutenants, Jackson and Longstreet. As the night deepened, the fields of Maryland were transformed into a vast, sprawling encampment. Fires flickered in the darkness, casting long shadows that danced with the rustling cornfields. The men on both sides tried to catch a few hours of sleep, their dreams punctuated with the morrow's impending reality. With the first light of dawn, the Battle of Antietam would commence. Soldiers and commanders alike held their breath, their hearts echoing the unspoken question, who would emerge victorious from this decisive confrontation? Little did they know that this battle would not only determine their fate, but also the future course of the Civil War. Chapter 3 The Battle Unleashed As dawn broke on September 17, the serenity of the Maryland countryside was shattered by the chilling sounds of war. The Battle of Antietam, the clash that would be remembered as the bloodiest single day in American history, had begun. At the northern end of the battlefield, Union General Joseph Hooker's men moved towards the Confederate positions in and around a cornfield, their bayonets glinting in the first rays of the sun. Among them was Private George E. Pickett, his heart pounding with a mix of fear and adrenaline as he plunged into his first taste of combat. The Confederates, under the command of the indomitable Stonewall Jackson, stood their ground. Their defiant battle cries were a stark contrast to the peaceful rustle of the corn stalks being trampled under the weight of the advancing Union forces. The opening salvos were deafening, a terrifying symphony of exploding shells and whizzing bullets. Within minutes, the cornfield turned into a horrifying tableau of death and destruction. The air was filled with the acrid smell of gunpowder and the anguished cries of the fallen. Yet amid this chaos, Moments of profound bravery unfolded. Men like Richard Kirkland, a Confederate sergeant, risked their lives to tend to the wounded, their humanity shining through the hellish landscape of war. Kirkland, later known as the Angel of Mary's Heights, exemplified the paradox of war, where compassion and violence existed side by side. By mid-morning, the cornfield had changed hands multiple times the ground soaked with the blood of thousands of soldiers. It was a grueling start to the day, a testament to the intensity and ferocity that would mark the Battle of Antietam. The morning carnage, as it would later be known, set the stage for the brutal encounters yet to come. As the morning gave way to the early afternoon, the focus of the battle shifted towards a quaint country lane known as the Sunken Road. This unassuming dirt road, worn down by years of wagon traffic, was about to become the stage for one of the most intense confrontations of the Battle of Antietam. The Confederates, under the command of General D.H. Hill, had positioned themselves along this natural trench, their gray uniforms blending seamlessly with the dusty road. From this fortified position, they rained fire upon the advancing Union troops, transforming the peaceful country lane into a deadly killing field. Union General William H. French's division was the first to confront the entrenched Confederates, 
Their initial attacks were met with a hailstorm of bullets, the Confederate lines appearing to be an impregnable wall. Yet, the Union soldiers pressed on, undeterred by the mounting casualties. As the Union onslaught continued, cracks started to appear in the Confederate defense. The gray-clad soldiers who had once seemed invincible were now faltering under the sustained Union attack. The once confident sunken road was gradually becoming a symbol of Confederate despair. Into this fierce fight stepped Union Colonel Francis C. Barlow. Recognizing a weak point in the Confederate line, Barlow led his men forward with an audacious charge, seizing a knoll commanding the road. With Union artillery now looming over them, the Confederate situation grew dire. Over the next few hours, the sunken road was the scene of intense and deadly combat. Bodies piled up, giving the road a new, grim moniker Bloody Lane. By the end of the day, the Union forces had managed to break the Confederate hold on the sunken road, but at a terrible cost. The standoff at the sunken road was a turning point in the Battle of Antietam. It symbolized the grim determination of both sides, the resilience of the Union forces, and the ferocity of the Confederates, even when faced with imminent defeat. In the annals of Civil War history, the Bloody Lane would forever be remembered as a testament to the savage intensity of the fight at Antietam. In the late afternoon, the Battle of Antietam turned towards its southernmost flank, to a stone bridge crossing Antietam Creek. The responsibility of capturing the bridge fell to Union General Ambrose Burnside, a man known for his distinctive sideburns and steadfast demeanor. Little did he know that this bridge, soon to be known as Burnside's Bridge, would become a symbol of his part in this historic battle. The Confederate defenders, led by Brigadier General Robert Toombs, were heavily outnumbered but held a strong position on the high bluffs overlooking the bridge. As Burnside's men approached, they found themselves pinned down by sharpshooters and artillery. Their advance was slowed to a crawl, and every attempt to cross the bridge turned into a bloodbath. In the Union ranks, a young officer, Lieutenant Colonel Edward Ferrero, took it upon himself to break the stalemate. Leading his men, Ferrero launched a daring charge across the bridge under a hailstorm of Confederate fire. Their courage paid off, and the Union forces successfully captured the bridge. Now in possession of the bridge, Burnside wasted no time. His forces surged across, pushing back the Confederate defenders. But his momentum was soon to be abruptly halted. As his men advanced, they faced the fresh Confederate division of General A.P. Hill, who had hurriedly arrived from Harper's Ferry to reinforce Lee's strained army. Despite the Union's superior numbers, Burnside's offensive was effectively stymied by Hill's timely intervention. The fighting grew intense, but by the end of the day, the Union advance had been effectively halted. The sun began to set on the battlefield, and with it, the single bloodiest day in American history was coming to an end. Burnside's push, while initially successful, had ultimately been checked by the timely arrival of Confederate reinforcements. It was a testament to the ebb and flow of battle, the thin line between victory and defeat. For Burnside, the stone bridge over Antietam Creek would forever be a reminder of the fierce struggle that marked this decisive day. Chapter 4 Aftermath and Analysis 
As the echoes of gunfire faded and the dust began to settle on the battlefield, General George B. McClellan was presented with an opportunity. The Confederate army was significantly weakened, its men exhausted, and its resources stretched thin. Victory was within grasp, yet McClellan hesitated, a decision that would forever mark his legacy. McClellan had always been a cautious commander, preferring careful planning and strategic calculation over rash action. His approach had served him well in the early days of his military career, earning him the respect of his men and the trust of President Lincoln. But in the aftermath of the Battle of Antietam, his caution was seen as indecision, a missed opportunity to decisively end the war. Throughout the night of September 17 and into the next day, McClellan's men rested and regrouped, while across Antietam Creek, Lee's battered forces braced themselves for an attack that never came. The Union soldiers were ready, their morale high despite the heavy casualties. But the order to attack did not come. Instead, McClellan, ever the meticulous planner, was analyzing the situation, weighing his options. He was acutely aware of the heavy toll his army had taken in the day's battle, and he was reluctant to risk further loss without a clear advantage. He was also wary of Lee's reputation for tactical brilliance and feared a potential trap. His decision to hold back, however, was met with frustration by many, including President Lincoln. The Battle of Antietam had provided an opportunity to deliver a crushing blow to the Confederacy, and many felt McClellan's caution had squandered it. McClellan's inaction following the battle became a pivotal moment in his career and the Civil War's narrative. It was a decision that would cost him his command and become a lasting symbol of missed opportunities during the war. While the Battle of Antietam itself was a significant event, McClellan's hesitation in its aftermath added another layer to the complex history of the Civil War. In the early hours of September 19, as the pale morning light washed over the devastated battlefield of Antietam, General Robert E. Lee made a decision that would dramatically affect the course of the Civil War. His Confederate forces, battered and worn from the intense fighting, would retreat back across the Potomac River. Lee had entered Maryland with high hopes, intending to shift the war's focus from the South, win a major battle on Northern soil, and potentially earn foreign recognition for the Confederacy. But the Battle of Antietam, while not a decisive defeat, had stymied his plans. The loss of the Special Orders 191, the fierce resistance by Union forces, and the timely arrival of A.P. Hill's division had culminated in a battle of attrition that Lee's army could ill afford. The decision to withdraw was not made lightly. Lee, a seasoned commander, recognized the strategic implications of his retreat. Yet, he also understood the practical realities. His army was heavily depleted, and the men were fatigued. To stay and face a renewed Union attack might lead to complete destruction, a risk he was unwilling to take. Under the cover of darkness and a conveniently timed rearguard action by his cavalry, Lee began the painstaking process of ferrying his men across the Potomac. The retreat was conducted with the same discipline that characterized Lee's leadership, the Confederate forces slipping away without drawing the attention of the Union Army. As the last of the Confederate soldiers crossed the Potomac back into Virginia, Lee's first invasion of the North ended. 
It was a sobering moment for the Confederate general and his men, a stark contrast to the confidence with which they had entered Maryland. Lee's withdrawal marked a turning point in the Civil War. It signified not only the end of the Battle of Antietam but also the end of the Confederate offensive into Union territory. Despite the lack of a clear victor in the battle, the Union had managed to stop Lee's invasion, a feat that would have significant implications for the war. The Battle of Antietam was one of the most significant engagements of the Civil War, but it did not end with a clear victor on the battlefield. Rather, it was a combination of strategic factors, human determination, and chance events that allowed the Union to claim a strategic victory. One of the key factors was the sheer numerical superiority of the Union Army. McClellan's forces greatly outnumbered Lee's, giving the Union a distinct advantage. This numerical strength allowed McClellan to absorb the heavy casualties and continue the assault, slowly but surely grinding down the Confederate forces. Moreover, the Union benefited from a monumental stroke of luck, the discovery of the Lost Special Orders 191. This crucial piece of intelligence gave McClellan a clear understanding of Lee's plans and allowed him to position his forces effectively, countering Lee's grand strategy. Another crucial element was the resilience and determination of the Union soldiers. Despite suffering heavy losses, the Union troops continued to press on, fighting fiercely at locations like the Sunken Road and Burnside's Bridge. Their tenacity under fire played a pivotal role in slowing down and eventually halting the Confederate advance. Additionally, the arrival of A.P. Hill's division from Harper's Ferry, while aiding the Confederates at a critical moment, also exhausted the last of Lee's reinforcements. This left the Confederate army depleted and unable to sustain a prolonged engagement, which influenced Lee's decision to withdraw. Lastly, McClellan's caution, while often criticized, played a role in the Union's strategic success. By avoiding reckless aggression, McClellan preserved the strength of his army, even if he missed the opportunity to crush the Confederates completely. In the grand scheme of the Civil War, the Union's strategic victory at Antietam signaled a turning point. It stopped Lee's northward advance, boosted Northern morale, and provided President Lincoln with the political capital necessary to announce the Emancipation Proclamation. In these ways, the Union prevailed not just on the battlefield, but in the broader context of the war as well. Chapter 5 The Battle's Broader Implications the Battle of Antietam's strategic victory offered President Abraham Lincoln a pivotal opportunity, one that would shift the very foundation of the Civil War. Within the confines of the White House, President Lincoln had been wrestling with a decision that could not only redefine the war but also the very fabric of American society, the Emancipation Proclamation. While the Civil War initially started as a conflict over secession and state rights, Lincoln saw an opportunity to elevate the cause to something far more profound, the abolition of slavery. He had prepared the initial draft of the Emancipation Proclamation in the summer of 1862 but hesitated to make it public without a significant Union victory to bolster its announcement. With Lee's retreat following Antietam, Lincoln seized the moment. On September 22, 1862, five days after the battle, he issued the Preliminary Emancipation Proclamation. 
This proclamation declared that if the Confederacy did not end its rebellion by January 1, 1863, all slaves in the rebellious states shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. The news spread like wildfire, sending shockwaves through the North and the South. For many in the North, the proclamation turned the war into a moral crusade against slavery. It galvanized support for the war effort and attracted new soldiers who now saw the conflict as a fight for human freedom. In the South, the proclamation fueled fear and resentment but also desperation. It threatened the very societal structure the South had built and defended. The Confederacy dug in their heels further, viewing the proclamation as a direct attack on their way of life. Internationally, the Emancipation Proclamation changed the perception of the Civil War. Countries like Britain and France, which had been considering recognizing the Confederacy, now hesitated. Supporting the Confederacy after the proclamation would be seen as endorsing slavery, a stance increasingly out of step with public opinion in Europe. Thus, in the wake of the Battle of Antietam, Lincoln transformed the Civil War from a struggle over Union to a crusade for freedom. The Emancipation Proclamation forever linked the war to the cause of human liberty, adding a deeper layer of meaning to the sacrifice and bloodshed at Antietam. The reverberations of the Battle of Antietam and the subsequent Emancipation Proclamation echoed far beyond the borders of the United States, reaching the gilded halls of power in Europe. The international community, which had been closely monitoring the American Civil War, found themselves grappling with its new moral dimension. In Britain, a nation that had abolished slavery in 1833, there had been significant pressure on the government to intervene in the war. The southern states were a major source of cotton for Britain's textile industry, and the Confederacy had hoped this economic leverage would draw British support. However, the Emancipation Proclamation complicated this scenario. Across London, from the bustling clubs of the aristocracy to the humble workers' taverns, the news of Lincoln's proclamation stirred up heated debate. While the industrialists lamented potential disruption of the cotton supply, a rising tide of public opinion favored the North's moral cause. Prominent figures such as John Bright, a respected member of parliament, fervently argued against intervening on behalf of a slaveholding confederacy, persuading many of his colleagues. Meanwhile, in France, Emperor Napoleon III found himself in a similar predicament. While he had earlier considered recognizing the Confederate states, the Emancipation Proclamation made it politically unpalatable. The French public, despite their government's imperialistic ventures in Mexico, were generally opposed to slavery, leaving Napoleon III reluctant to risk the social unrest that supporting the Confederacy might incite. In contrast, Russia, under the rule of Tsar Alexander II, expressed explicit support for the Union cause. Alexander, having himself emancipated the serfs in 1861, sympathized with Lincoln's drive for abolition and ordered the Russian fleet to American waters as a show of support. The aftermath of the Battle of Antietam and the Emancipation Proclamation, thus, significantly altered the international dynamics of the American Civil War. The potential intervention by foreign powers, which could have drastically changed the war's course, was effectively stymied. The global stage held its breath as the struggle for freedom in America pressed on.
The Battle of Antietam, despite its uncertain conclusion on the battlefield, marked a clear shift in the tide of the Civil War. As the smoke cleared and the living tended to the wounded and dead, the implications of the battle began to crystallize. On the battlefield, the Union forces under General McClellan had demonstrated their capability to stand against the might of Lee's army, an ability that was in question after earlier defeats. They had not only blunted the Confederate invasion but also inflicted significant casualties, demonstrating a resilience that breathed new life into the Union war effort. McClellan's cautious leadership, though widely criticized, had preserved the Union army from a potential catastrophic defeat, keeping it a formidable force capable of future campaigns. This marked a turning point in the Union's military strategy, reinforcing the importance of defensive tactics in the face of the Confederates' aggressive maneuvers. But more than the military consequences, it was the political repercussions of Antietam that truly turned the tide. The strategic victory gave Lincoln the confidence to announce the Emancipation Proclamation, effectively redefining the war's purpose. The battle for the Union became a battle for freedom, infusing the Northern cause with a moral urgency that galvanized public support. Internationally, the proclamation and the Union's stand at Antietam stopped foreign powers from recognizing the Confederacy. This shielded the Union from the prospect of a far more complex and potentially unwinnable war had Britain or France intervened on the side of the South. Thus, the aftermath of the Battle of Antietam marked the turning of the tide in the Civil War. The Union, now armed with a renewed sense of purpose and international goodwill, had gained a strategic advantage. The war was far from over, but as Lincoln looked out over the still-recovering nation, he could see a glimmer of hope a faint light at the end of a long and bloody tunnel. Chapter 6, Legacy of Antietam While the Battle of Antietam was pivotal in the context of the Civil War, its human cost was tragic and immense. On that single day, September 17, 1862, the United States saw its bloodiest day in history. The tally of the dead, wounded, and missing was staggering with nearly 23,000 casualties reported from both sides. Fields that had been lush with the late summer harvest were now scarred and trampled, transformed into vast outdoor hospitals and graveyards. The tranquil Antietam Creek ran red, a haunting testament to the day's horror. Among the casualties were countless ordinary soldiers, men who had left behind homes, jobs, and families to fight for their respective causes. Like the young Union soldier, Private Philip Kearney, who despite his dreams of studying medicine, found himself applying tourniquets and bandages instead of attending classes. Then there was the Confederate Sergeant Charles Brown, a schoolteacher by profession. He had joined up with the belief that he was protecting his homeland's rights. Brown survived the battle but was permanently maimed, losing an arm to a Union cannonball. On that day, the Union lost two generals, major generals. Joseph K. Mansfield and Israel B. Richardson, both mortally wounded while leading their men from the front. Their deaths were deeply felt, adding to the sorrow of a grieving Union army. Similarly, the Confederates lost one of their promising young brigade commanders, Brigadier General Lawrence O. Branch, a former North Carolina congressman. 
His death was a harsh blow to the Southern command structure and a stark reminder of the unyielding violence of war. The impact of Antietam's casualties was profound. It brought the grim reality of the Civil War to the forefront, dispelling any lingering illusions of a quick or romantic war. Every family, North and South, seemed to know someone who had been touched by the horror of that day. The shadow of Antietam stretched out long and dark over the nation, a grim reminder of the war's cost that left indelible scars on the American psyche. As the years passed following the Civil War, the Battle of Antietam etched a deep mark on the collective memory of a healing nation. The fields of Antietam, once a theater of war, became a solemn landscape of memory, silently bearing witness to the tragedy of the nation's bloodiest day. In 1890, Antietam was declared a national battlefield site, preserving its quiet cornfields, the Bloody Lane, and the Burnside Bridge. These sites became sanctified symbols of the battle, visited by veterans, their families, and others seeking to understand or remember the past. Standing on the outskirts of the small town of Sharpsburg, the Antietam National Cemetery emerged as a poignant memorial. It became the final resting place for many who had fallen during the battle. Row upon row of uniform headstones, each representing a life lost, stretched across the hallowed ground. Over time, the landscape began to foster reconciliation as much as it fostered remembrance. Annual gatherings of veterans from both the Union and Confederate sides turned the battlefield into a meeting ground where old adversaries could share stories and seek closure. The landscape also ignited the imagination of artists, writers, and poets. The serene tranquility of the fields, juxtaposed against the horrors they once witnessed, found reflection in many works of art and literature. Figures like the poet Walt Whitman, who had served as a nurse during the war, penned powerful verses inspired by the bravery and loss seen on fields like Antietam. Moreover, the battlefield and its associated sites became an essential destination for students of history and military strategy. Successive generations of military officers studied the tactics employed by McClellan and Lee, learning lessons about leadership, strategy, and the terrible costs of war. The landscape of Antietam, therefore, became more than just preserved farmland. It evolved into a canvas where memory, loss, reconciliation, and learning intermingled. The echoes of the past still resonate there, reminding visitors of a crucial turning point in America's history and the immense human cost it entailed. The echoes of the Battle of Antietam have rippled through American history long after the last shots were fired on that fateful day in 1862. It's not just the grim tally of lives lost that left an indelible mark, but also the profound political, social, and cultural impact of the events surrounding the battle. Politically, Antietam served as the linchpin for Abraham Lincoln to issue the Emancipation Proclamation. This decision irreversibly changed the narrative and purpose of the Civil War, turning it from a struggle for preservation of the Union into a crusade for human freedom. This proclamation would set the stage for the 13th Amendment and the fight for civil rights that would extend into the 20th century and beyond. Socially, Antietam and the Civil War as a whole redefined American identity. The battle underlined the destructive power of a nation divided against itself, 
and the subsequent years of recovery and reconciliation sought to build a more united, collective American identity. The idea of an indivisible nation, born out of the bloody crucible of Civil War battles such as Antietam, has been a cornerstone of American patriotism and national ethos ever since. Culturally, the Battle of Antietam has been immortalized in the fabric of American arts and letters. From the haunting verses of Walt Whitman to the poignant images of battlefield photographer Alexander Gardner, Antietam has inspired powerful reflections on the nature of war, sacrifice, and nationhood. Films, novels, and songs continue to revisit this seminal event, ensuring that its memory remains alive in the American consciousness. Moreover, the battle's influence extends into the field of military strategy. The tactics used, the decisions made, and the lessons learned at Antietam are studied in military academies around the world. The battle serves as a stark reminder of the costs of warfare, the importance of leadership, and the unpredictability of war. Thus, the echoes of Antietam are not merely historical footnotes. They have reverberated through the corridors of time, shaping the nation's political trajectory, informing its cultural output, and influencing its military thought. The Battle of Antietam, therefore, remains not just a reminder of a turbulent past, but also a guiding influence on the nation's present and future.